Hi everyone, my name is Steve Judah and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that's loving rival managers proclaiming City as champions before a ball has even been kicked. We have broken the Premier League. On today's pod, we're bracing ourselves for it all to start again. The madness, the nerves, the sheer brilliance as City head to Wembley for the gazillionth time in recent years before embarking on another arduous league campaign. We're ready for it. We're set. So let's go by introducing our guests today, Asan and Chris. Hi, Asan, you there? Morning, Steve. I am good here morning. indeed. Good, good, good. And how's things with you right now? Very good. I'm feeling. I honestly, I'm ready for football. I, yeah. I, I'm. I'm not anxious. I'm. I'm excited. Like I'm ready for the podcasts. I'm ready for the everything. I'm just. I'm ready for the football to come back. Good stuff. So you've, you're, you're refreshed, it would be fair to say. Very much so, very much so. I almost feel as though uh, it was so intense at the end of last season that mm. rather than needing a long time to get over it, I actually needed only a short amount of time to get over it because I think the fact that we did the treble sort of feels a bit unreal. And so it's nice to have the season back to be reminded every three days that we are indeed the treble winners. <laughs> Love it. Yes, indeed. Um, joining us today as well is Chris. Um, firstly, hello, Chris. How are you, sir? Steve, how are you? Aysan, how are you going? Good, sir. Very good. Very good, mate. Um, my obligatory question to you that I always ask you whenever you're on the pod, but it always fascinates me, what time is it down under right now? <laughs> It's uh it's seven PM on a Friday night, so my Weird. friends are messaging me asking when I'm done so I can go and meet this <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> That's so weird. I've just had my breakfast. <laughs> nah, happy to be here with you guys and looking forward to it. Should be good. Always happy to have you on, mate. Um there's only one place to start. It's community shield. The the oh, how it's not on, I can say this without any kind of comeback. The biggest title of them all, the most meaningful football match. Of all football matches, the Community Shield is this Sunday. Uh, I'll start with you, Asan. Based on what we've seen in our three friendlies, kind of focusing largely on sharpness, really, and fitness, do we look ready? I think so. I I, I actually found them to be um, sharper than I thought they would be in preseason. I think the overall intensity and fitness levels looked really good. Um, I think first touch looked really good with with everybody i think it helped that we had a collection of youngsters on the tour that were hungry and that almost could see a little bit of light and a pathway into the first first team because them raising their levels obviously raises the level of of the senior players as well so no overall i do i do think that we're ready chris what did you make of what you saw of of a friendlies I mean, yeah, that they was they some interesting games, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, it was good to get some exposure to some different competition to what we'd generally be used to mm. with, uh, with Yokohama and whatnot. Um, I think, in terms of the in terms of the um, Community Shield, I don't, know, I don't think obviously we're not going to be a hundred percent ready for that all on the opening day of the season. I don't really think any team is, and I don't really think we need to be as well. I think it's just a good opportunity for us to sort of get our rhythm find a little bit of momentum, you know, get a little bit of the rustiness out, let the players switch into gear, you know, switch start, start to 
you know, get back into it after the pre the, the off season rather, and and also they've had a chance to reflect on on what we've just achieved and how we can build on that. So I'm pretty excited. I think um, wouldn't want to be playing anyone else than Arsenal right now in this game. So it should be good. Um, I'll stay with you for this one, Chris. In the last two Community Shields, we've kind of looked at a touch off the pace against Leicester and then Liverpool, and it's not a coincidence that in those games we conceded late goals. Is that a concern? for you that we may kind of you know history may repeat itself i mean obviously that's always that's always on the cards but to be honest i'm not really that that phase either way i think um like i said we've just come off winning the treble the players are, only some players have only been there for, for a week or two in pre-season so i yeah. think it's just a matter of us sort of getting in getting back into the swing of things and also allowing pep to experiment with with the first team players as they've come back into the squad and get ready to, for for competition in the coming weeks. So look, I'm, I, I'm expecting there to be some goals leaked on both sides. I'm not expecting a, a solid defensive performance from both teams. I think that would be a little bit unfair, but I definitely think that it's a good opportunity for us to, to press on. Um, Aysan, where do you land on this? There's kind of two ways of looking at it, I guess. We conceded th- uh, six goals in three games in the friendlies. Does that suggest to you that that trend may continue for the first few weeks of the season or does that suggest to you that you know we've got our mistakes out of the way in the games well you know it's good to get them out of the way so i kind of look at it slightly differently i don't think that um i i think conceding goals in in pre-season is actually quite a normal thing i think if you look around at most what you would consider to be top teams or big teams they do tend to to concede more goals in preseason than they would um, once the season has begun. So for me, it's actually more about looking at, you know, for me, what was interesting about preseason was shape. What shape are they are they defending in? What shape are they attacking in? Who's being picked to play in those positions? Um, so I'm not overly worried about us being conceding a lot of goals in the early part of the season or being overly open because I think that we're playing a system which is very similar to the one that we ended last season with or at least in pre-season it looked like we played a lot of the what we would consider to be the three and the two where one of the back four steps into midfield next to Rodri so you end up with like a shield of five defensive players and then you have the five attacking players in front of them um and then outside of that i think that when i looked at where we were conceding goals from in pre-season there was nothing that felt like oh my god that could be a problem once the season begins on the contrary i look at the collection of defenders that we've got obviously we'll talk about the new guy later but even before you begin to talk about the best young defender on the planet who will officially be made a city player today the collection of defenders that we've got are excellent um if you look at the center backs that you've got in walk uh, sorry stones diaz ake akanji you've got top center backs there laporte as well is still there then you've got walker who is almost his own thing as a defender and as a fullback he's is that important in certain situations and then you've got the youngster Enrico Lewis so I, I'm not if you're looking at going into the season I'm not looking at it going well I'm worried about the first few weeks of the season defensively no I, I think that 
when it comes to it on Sunday, what Guardiola will expect is the same level of structure and organization and compactness that he was receiving in the last three months of last season. And if he gets that, then I, I feel confident that we'll start the season strongly. Look, I've already said this on one of the 9320 player shows. I think we start strong this season. I think notoriously we're slow starters. I think notoriously people look at City as a team who maybe, you know, hit their stride a bit later in the season. I think we start strong this year. I looked at the fixtures and and I almost want us to, I think Arsenal is the first big, big game. And I, I want us to get to Arsenal having won all of the games up until that point. So I'm feeling bullish, Steve. I'm loving it too. And I'm glad to say that's the last of my negative questions because from here on in, it's all kind of positivity. Um, starting with the kids. So Chris, Oscar Bob did himself no harm in Asia with his performances. McAtee, same. Um, Palmer as well. So we've got some kids here who could very well feature this Sunday. Firstly, do you think they will get some minutes? And secondly, speaking as a fan, how much does that prospect excite you? Oh, look, it's always exciting to see up-and-coming young players come through and, and get an opportunity as well. And I think, as we've seen in the past, this pre-season time is the perfect opportunity for that. And I think, yeah, Bob McAtee, Palmer, they've done themselves no harm in, in how they performed in the in the preseason thus far. So it'll be good to see them come up against some Premier League opposition and some high quality Premier League opposition in that. So I'm pretty excited to see them feature. I think Bob, and I'd love to see how he would go playing against Arsenal's defence. Um, obviously, I'd like to see McAtee a little bit more of him and see actually how far he's come on since his loan move. And it'll be interesting to see what we plan on do with, doing with him for the season. I think it'll give us a pretty good indication if he features at all, whether or not Pep's thinking about keeping him around for this season. So wait and see how we go go with that. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing it. Also seeing how they go in a bit more of a bigger stage, you know, Community Shield. It's always like, it's almost as good as you can get in terms of before before a Premier League game starts and in the preseason. Yeah. So it's a, it's almost like a good springboard to see if they're going to be able to cope with the prep, the pressures of the Prem. Well, I think even Howard would go along with that um, for all that he talks down the competition and, and the yeah. uh, the game itself. You know, it's at Wembley, it's against, you know, a very, very good side. Um, and it's going to be competitive as well. So it, it just adds another layer of interest to me to, to, to you know, to see these kids in a game of such kind of stature um, to see how they fair. Um which brings us to the lineups. Um, I'll come to you first, Asan. What are you anticipating? What do you think Pep will go with as regards to the lineup? I mean, I would expect it to be as close to the Burnley team, if not the Burnley team, as is humanly possible, certainly for the first hour of the game. So in my head, I have a lineup. Do you want me to say it? If you I'll, give your lineup, and then I'll come to Chris and see if he kind of disagrees with any. Um, okay, so, so yeah, that'd be great. I, I think Edison will be the keeper. Uh, I think Walker will start at right back. Um, I think it'll be Stones and Diaz, and I think Ake will be left back. I think we'll see um, Rodri, Foden, and KDB from the start uh, in the middle three. We'll see Bernardo Silva on the right wing, Grealish on the left wing, and then Haaland will start up top. So, um, it's an obvious shout, I guess, but that Alvarez will come on maybe on the hour mark for Haaland. Um, 
hopefully Oscar Bob or McAtee will come on um, for Foden perhaps or, or Bernardo at some point. Is that what you're expecting? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I enjoyed the kids' cameos in preseason. I hope at least one, if not two of them, stick around over the course of the season but it's big boy time now it's proper football there's a trophy on the line on sunday and the first premier league game is four or five days later so i'm not overly concerned with what happens from the bench i'm more concerned now with the sharpness and the form of what we consider to be our starting 11 and I think when the squad is so small and you're relying on so many youngsters I think it's even more important that your senior players are sharp and are fit and firing come Friday night against Burnley so I I do I do fully expect the team on Sunday to be the proper team Chris, is there anything there you disagree with? And I should add as well before I uh, before I get to you that Aysan was annoyingly accurate quite a lot of the times last season when it came to his lineup predictions. To be honest, I was pretty much spot on with what Aysan predicted. It's pretty much the same team that went with that that played against Atletico. The yeah. do, the only difference I do have is I'm not sure Walker will start, and I'd like obviously I'd like him to, but I think the big question mark will be around whether or not he starts and you know I think it would give a good indication if he does start that they're planning on having him with us for the season mm. and they're planning on having him with us for this Burnley game and at least for the next few weeks so you know I guess that'll give us a good indication as as to not as to whether or not he's going to go to Bayern um, and yeah I think I think KDB is going to come in and start I think Grealish, Bernardo and Haaland's going to be the front three as well and um, yeah Foden's going to come in as well I think we're going to see a lot more of him in the midfield at least to start the season. And obviously not expecting Guardiola to have any any impact on on Sunday. Um, the kind of big question, uh, aside from the lineup, of course, is how the game will play out. And I want each of you for this, but I'll start with you, Asan. And, and I guess what's quite interesting about Community Shield is it's an outlier as regards to, I think both teams will be focusing on themselves first and foremost this weekend, as opposed to, you know, having a consideration for the opposition, or more so than you would find in in the league or cup competitions, would that would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think that is fair. But also, I do think, and I I think we we saw it a little bit in particular in the Bayern Munich game um, that there are certain sort of matchups, whether it be coach against coach or team against team, where friendly doesn't really exist Mm. and after what happened last season i find it almost impossible to believe that either side approaches sunday as in a friendly manner if that makes sense yeah i I expect both teams to go out there to try and make a point yeah yeah well i mean yeah i completely agree Uh, there is a, a budding rivalry there and that does play out that does come out in the performances of the players as we've seen of course against liverpool last season um I think sorry one more thing I think I think the other thing is that I I do feel that Arsenal in particular are going to arrive uh start the game at 100 miles an hour and are going to arrive going we have to show this lot that last season wasn't a one-off um Mm -hmm. and I, I don't feel you know we obviously Liverpool last season they perform really well in the charity shield and everybody goes oh they're going to be City's nearest challengers and then they don't even come close to it 
I'm not sure that that will be the case with Arsenal because I feel as though Liverpool had had issues going into the season that were connected to their squad and how it had or hadn't been refreshed and areas where they were potentially going to look leggy. I think Arsenal have refreshed sufficiently that I don't see that being a thing. I think that they will have a bounce. Um, and so I actually think that Sunday will, or certainly, I think with Charity Shields, it's always the first hour, certainly the first half. It'll be very instructive, I think, of where both teams are, both in terms of their preparation and also just how competitive they are against each other. And it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal come out swinging big, but City take the lead after 20 minutes and then all of the wind comes out of Arsenal's sails um, because that's the thing about preseason is that your your fitness isn't at its top, top level. So if you start with a lot of adrenaline and a lot of energy and you have a setback, I think it's harder then to go again. I think, you know, if you push further into the season, it'll be easier to concede a goal and then go again. Whereas Sunday, I think, the first goal might end up being a little bit instructive, certainly if City score it. Um, But I think you can tell from what I'm saying that my appetite is fully wetted, man. I'm ready for this. Mm -hmm. Well, let's hope it plays out exactly like that because that really will psychologically have an impact on Arsenal because, of course, we saw that happen last season where, you know, they'd come out kind of firing on all the cylinders and City would, you know, swiftly outclass them and then they just gave up the ghost. Um, so yeah, a repeat performance would be would go down a treat in that regard. Um, Chris, could you see that happening yourself? How, how do you think it's going to play out? Yeah, I, I agree with what Aisan saying. I think that um, you know, look at Arsenal and what their intentions are. I think they have every opportunity to sort of present themselves this year as our biggest rivals, like Liverpool have been, you know, for us over the last three, four, five seasons. So I think it's a good opportunity for them to show that that they're not going to sort of die off and they're going to be there again or thereabouts this year. And obviously they've made some great signings, which we'll probably get into in a little bit, and they've strengthened in, in a lot of key areas. So, I mean, they're definitely going to be a more improved side, you'd think. So I think in terms of the game, I think both teams are going to be sort of far from the finished article, to be honest. I think, yeah, like I said, going to be a few goals leaked. I'm probably going to go towards a 3-2 City result. Wow. I just think there'll be, as much as the intensity will be high, I think there'll be a bit of rustiness on both sides. And I think you'll, that'll sort of show a little bit. And I think the coaches will sort of just use it as just an opportunity to experiment, change things around. And for us as, as fans, we can sort of see if there's any recurring patterns in terms of defensive structure, attacking structure and whatnot that we might have seen in the uh, in the last few preseason games. Um Jesus is out. Uh, Trussard is my big shout for the season. I, I thought he was he did so well in cameo performances for Arsenal. Um, I think from a period of four months last season, he assisted every 78 minutes, which is phenomenal. Um, so I think Trussard will really come to the fore this season for Arsenal. Um, obviously, they signed Havertz, who scored twice on the pre-season tour. Um, Rice, of course, as well. But he's hardly played pre-season, so I can't see him... I mean, if he starts, we're looking at one half, I think, from Declan Rice um, and Timber as well. So they've signed well, haven't they, this season, Aysan? They've strengthened well. Or, I think so. I, I believe so. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. I think the interesting, the the one that I'm the most interested in is Havertz because Havertz has been brought in as Granite Shaka's replacement, and by all accounts, he will play as the left-sided number eight in that system, um, which for a fellow who's basically been playing false nine stroke number nine for the last two years, uh, will take a period of adjustment. Um, But I'm genuinely interested to see whether he can or can't excel in that position. Um, I I would hazard a guess that he'll do well because I think Arteta, I I do rate, rate him as a coach and I think he does improve players and, and I think that he will have learned enough from Pep that you look at the skill set of somebody like Havertz playing in that eight position, and it really just becomes about his defensive quality. If he has the defensive quality to get back when he needs to get back and he has the dynamism to get up and down the pitch, then I think he'll do really well in that role. Mm. I agree with you about Trossard, but I I think Martinelli is incredible genuinely i think martinelli i think saka did so well last season that that martinelli went a little bit under the radar but i just i just think he's a world-class winger already and he will just get better this season and he'll he'll terrorize defenses um so i am i mean you know arsenal have got very 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 strong squad and they have an excellent 11 they have holes in it i think they'll miss jesus i think they lack a little bit of a number nine um i I do think they're weak at left back i think the fact that we sold them zinchenko and he's pretty much their starting left back tells me everything that i need to know about them in in that position um i think it'll be interesting to see whether timber plays as a right back or whether they use him as a center back he's very versatile i wonder even whether he can play the holding number six role um but no, they have they have really recruited well. They look serious. I mean, yeah, they yeah. they look they look like a football club from top to bottom that are serious about challenging City. And as much as you want every season to be a procession and you want to win the league easily, I also like the idea of some of these clubs putting their big boy pants on and going, "No, we're going to have a go at this." <laughs> yeah, I do love that. Um, go, Chris. Uh, just, just on that, I think it's the the depth in their squad that they've improved uh, this off season. You know, look at their bench; they've got the likes yeah. of Smith Rowe. We haven't even talked about Odegaard. Odegaard, you know, we've got um, Jorginho as well, who hasn't left. Partey was meant to be going, but he's still there at the moment. Ben White, you know, they've got a few good players on the bench there, which maybe they mightn't have had in recent years, and that, that might be the difference between them sort of tailing off towards the, the the last part of the season as they did last year and, and sticking it all the way through. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, I, I hope you're right, you know, because I hope we beat them by a single point. <laughs> I hope it goes right to the wire and, and we break their heart with a single point. Um, I'd rather but- not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really mean that. A nice possession would be lovely. Um, I'll stay with you, Chris. I was going to ask about how important this game is, what it means to Community Shield, but it's a hoary old subject. So I'm going to phrase it a bit different. How important for you is the result compared to getting further minutes in the legs and the team working on shape and fluidity? Mm. 
You know what I think is important out of this game is just walking away with no no injuries, no serious mm. setbacks. And I, I don't know if I'm still a bit scarred by the Leroy Sane ACL yeah. that happened if, against Liverpool, but I just I could never get over that. And if that, something like that touch wood was to happen, I think for both teams it, it would definitely be far from ideal. So for me, that's sort of my my first my first preference. Just get through the game, no injuries. Everyone comes through feeling good, you know, fitness, rhythm, and then hopefully the uh, the resolve just is, goes in our favour as a byproduct of of the preparation being being in, intact. But you know, it is what it is. I'm I'm not going to lose sleep either way. Well, all that's left to do is to give our score predictions. Um, are you going with three two, Chris? Yeah, I'm going to stick with three two. Okay. Um... There's usually goals in the Community Shield, um, historically, and last season, of course, it was four goals. Um, I think this is going to be a 2-1 to Arsenal. Um, I, I, that's what I've put in my betting preview, so I've got to stick with that. I'm going to 2-1 to Arsenal. Um, hey, Sam, what about yourself? You just broke Jack Grealish's heart, man. The kid is desperate for a charity Shield trophy, and you're, <laughs> you're telling him his teammates are just going to chuck it no 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 no. we can't be having we can't be having predictions like that Steve. Um, so i'm gonna go with 4-1 to city okay well i'll just add wow. as well yeah i'm loving this positivity today it's balancing out my negativity as well but i should just add as well any time that i predict a, a defeat for city which is maybe three times a season if City go on to win, the amount of people who, who come at me on Twitter going, ha, 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 it's like, yeah, but I'm glad to be wrong. <laughs> You're missing the fact that I'm very glad to be wrong. Anyway, let's move on to a big sign-in this week, uh, Josco Gavardial. Um, Aysan, your thoughts first and foremost on the fee? <laughs> I think I think it's epic trolling from... Uh from Bagherstein and the uh, and the transfer negotiators to make sure that it came in at under the uh, Harry Maguire fee. Um yeah. I I don't really I I'm not I'm not really a transfer fee kind of fella in the sense that that's that's for the accountants and the and the <laughs> economists, you know. I don't really care. Like I want the best players that City can sign and I think when it comes to the success or failure of a signing I actually don't think it's relative to the fee. I think if you sign a player and he does really well at the end of the season, whether he costs a hundred million or he costs 10 million, you'll go, that was a top signing. And if you sign a player and he's a bit shit, it doesn't matter whether he costs 10 or a hundred, you'll say he's a bit shit. So mm. for me, the fee is not really as important as the player. Fair enough. Well, we'll come to you, Chris, and I want both of you on this, obviously, because it's a big development this week, of course. Chris, what do you make of him as a talent and as a prospect? Well, I was fortunate enough to to watch him play in Qatar at the World Cup when uh, Croatia played Japan in the round of 16. Hmm. And what stood out to me, a couple of things, was obviously his dribbling and calmness on the ball. It was very evident for me. Um, but what especially stood out for me when I saw him in the flesh was his physical presence. Yes. And I'm not yeah. sure if that's because he was coming up against smaller and nippier Japanese attackers, but I could definitely see that he had a real physical presence on the field. And he's still so young, which we continue to forget with so much physical development left in him before he even hits the peak of his powers. And like, for those of you that don't know, I used to work as a strength and conditioning coach in mainly the NRL and AFL in Australia. And these young players with 
physical potential like Guardiola would come in and these are the exact type of athletes and players that the performance coaches love working with because they see them come in and they know straight away that they can further enhance their athleticism, their physical attributes and make them sort of a very high elite level player. Mm. And obviously, like, I can't comment on what his professionalism might be like, but if he takes his training seriously and comes into the club with the mindset that he has a point to prove and goes above and beyond with his prep, some, similar to what Ruben Diaz does, for example, then I think he's going to be a powerhouse and our foundation and our defence for years to come. So I'm pretty excited about it, to be honest. I'm loving this positivity today, lads. I really am. Um, Asan, what are his strengths? And indeed, is his strength one of his main strengths? <laughs> I bet you enjoyed writing that question. No, yeah. I didn't even write that. That was off the top of me. I don't quite think <laughs> it. <laughs> you should be you should be on stage with lines like that. Um I, I I honestly I just think that he is the proto modern center back in that he's very comfortable with the ball at his feet. He is uh technically very good on the ball. He's a fantastic dribbler by all accounts. Um, but from a defensive point of view, he's solid as a rock and, and hard as nails. So I don't think for the moment, having not seen him up close and personal in a city shirt over a two or three month period, it'd be really difficult to, to say already what his weaknesses are, but he certainly comes to the club with the reputation of being the best young defender on the planet for stop. Um, and I think that is already exciting enough as it is. I think one of the things, and I'd, I'd like to know what you two think. I think one of the the things about last season that was quietly really good and really impressive was that we, at a certain moment, we started defending at a level where we had five fellas, maybe six fellas, and they were all raising each other's game. Do you know what I mean? Like... Walker got taken out of the team because Stones was playing so well at right back and Akanji was so playing so well at centre-back. But then Walker came back into the team and he played so well. Similarly, Akanji was playing at centre-back and playing so well. And then he got moved to right-back and he played at a really high level. Then he got moved to left-back and he played at a really high level. And I think part of that, quietly, was down to the competition for places. The fact that Everybody knew that they're all really supportive of each other, but they all want to start. So they all know I need to perform when I get out there. And I think that adding a player like Vardiol, who could almost take all of their positions, should just raise everybody's mm. game. And and that's that's the most exciting and, and interesting thing for me. Well, that kind of brings me to my next point, really, as regards to competition. Chris, can you see him being a prominent presence from the off, or will he be phased in, do you think? Because as Aysan said there, he's got some high-performing competition to dislodge, hasn't he? Mm. Well, I'm just going to start by saying, saying we are so far away from those Mangala days, aren't we? Imagine it being Oh, mate, <laughs> never mind Mangala. Like, I, me and Nicola sort of Mendy had a little bit of a of a of a love hate affair and you know martin de Michaelis was at the scene of many 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 crimes and there's been some there's been some characters in our bat line yeah yeah, yeah. for sure for sure but just to just to follow on what asam was saying before i think he's right i mean 
the competition that we had in defence last year, I had never seen that in a city team, you know, in my whole lifetime. I thought it was at a top, top level. And I don't think I've seen that at any other club as well. And I think just on the back of that, I think our current crop of defenders definitely have the right to first crack at their respective positions as yeah. of right now. Yeah, And I think it's going to take a few games for him to be eased into the team anyway. I mean, he needs to get accustomed to the new environment, get used to the new city, start to build relationships with the players, get familiar with Pep, his style. You know, barring injuries, I don't think we're going to see him play at his best for at least the second third of the season and probably start getting more involved when we start needing a bit, a bit of rotation for those Champions League group stages and, and what else is to come. But I also think it's really important to note, as we've seen time and time again, you know, players take time to fit in to Pep's style of play and we just need to be patient with him if he's one of those individuals because he's definitely going to come good. He's, you know, he's here for the long term. And I think there are only a few, very few players that we've seen in recent years come in and immediately make a significant impact on the team, you know, your Diaz's and your Harlan's. So I think we just got to be patient with him, give him time, you know, ease him into it. I think he's got to have, he's going to have to impress in training, you know, do all the right things. And I also think that that bromance and relationship he's got with Kovacic is definitely going to help him as well, just to fit in and, and sort of hopefully speed up the transition to coming to playing in the Premier League. Yeah, it's a good point. I am. Um... Yeah, I'm always welcoming the Croatians in the side as well. I, I love watching Croatia. And so that's just uh, another aspect to it. Um, I agree with you, Chris, completely. But there's one defender who has come in in the past and immediately made an impact, and that's Americ Laporte. Um, what does this development say about his future, Asan? It says he's going to get sold, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. Look, I think when you, when you go and you spend... Um, the amount of money that we've spent on Gvardiol. Uh, he's a player for now and for the future, but he's absolutely a player for the now as well. Um, I don't think that you can... Like, I appreciate what Chris is saying about how we have to just be patient and see how it goes, and but I kind of don't see it like that. I have the feeling that four weeks from now, he'll be one of the mainstays in the back four and he'll be playing almost every game. Um, I, I think that Grealish had a similar kind of arc where when he came in, I think they kind of went very quickly. Okay. You're going to play as much football as, as we can get you to play. And, and you'll, you'll almost learn on the pitch because of the qualities that you have. Um, and I think it'll be a similar thing with Guardiola. Um, and I'm uh, I'm quietly uh, pleased that that sorry Chris just quickly I'm quietly pleased yeah, that Ake signed a new contract knowing that Gvardiol was coming in because I think it shows his commitment to wanting to be part of the squad uh, and being an important player at City and fighting with a top player like that and backing himself and and again that that speaks to to kind of the right mentality in the squad yeah Chris. When you look, when you look over recent years as well, uh, just the impact that, you know, Laporte had when he came in, for example, you know, he had a, he had a more or less an immediate impact, but we desperately needed him at that time, you mm -hmm. know, and same with Ruben Diaz. I mean, we desperately needed him to, to slot straight in at that time and he got that opportunity straight away. Whereas I feel that, you know, the, the way the current situation of the squad is and, in, you know, we've got so many, we've got an embar embarrassment of riches at the moment at, in defense that we may, we may not necessarily need to rush him back in straight away and we can sort of take, potentially take our time with him and just ease him into it, you know, let him get accustomed to it and then some slow little wins and slow, slowly getting more involved. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I just, I've, I've the sense that it's, it's almost, you know, we're, we're almost talking towards the same thing, which is mm. kind of the idea that, look, he's going to be really important. Um, and the question of the speed of how long it takes before he becomes really important, it'll be interesting to see, but I still think that it will be weeks rather than months, if that makes sense. I don't envisage a situation where we're in October, November, and Guardiola's only started a handful of games. Okay. Um, let's kind of broaden the spectrum to transfers as a whole then. Um, Chrissy, what are you expecting to happen over the next three and a half weeks? Oh, oh, it's so it's so hard to predict at the moment. And I think, I think it's been said on the pod before, but I really do think it's going to depend on what outgoings present themselves over the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, however, I do think at the absolute minimum, we need to find a solid replacement for Mares. Um, someone that can come straight in and someone that can make an impact straight away. Um, <clears throat> I do think the the midfield will probably stay as it is because I don't see Bernardo leaving from here. I think, you know, I think it's just going to cut a little bit too fine for us to get to get a decent replacement in, and I'm not too sure who they're looking at in that position. So, you know, I can see the likes of either you know Mcatee Palmer, you know, even Perone sort of play more minutes this year, and and I expect to see Foden in the midfield, obviously, a bit more this season. So it'll be interesting to see see how we go over the next few weeks for sure. Uh, same question for you, Asan. What are you expecting to happen? The unexpected. Um, hmm. I, I do think that there'll be one, if not two more. I'm still not convinced that the Kyle Walker saga is over. Um, I think the Bernardo Silva saga is probably over. Um, but yeah, I, I'm 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 quietly confident that City are currently in the market for one or two footballers. Actually, funnily enough, I, the more I think about the Elise thing, I think Elise probably ends up happening to City, but it just doesn't happen until the last few days of the window, or at least the last week of the window, because he's injured and he won't play until end mm. of September, beginning of October anyway. So there's no mad rush to to get that completed immediately. Um and then which I do will, think, which will be quite a, sorry to interrupt, but that'll be quite a departure for City, wouldn't it? Because they don't tend to leave it late like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you, but I do think that it is just about the injury. I think if he hadn't have been injured, then he'd probably already be a City player. Yeah. Um because by the sounds of it. And also just from my own point of view, having spent the last four weeks trying to figure out who's the right winger that you would buy. I keep coming back to this idea that it's actually a, a funny moment. There isn't like a list of 10 right wingers that you look at and go, well, they're world-class and they can step straight in. And if you don't have that, then the tear down is generally the, the wonder kids, the really high value young players who have got a really high ceiling. And of all of those, Elise is the most obvious one because he just has unbelievable technique it's you know he he has i'm not going to say he's got a mara's first touch because only riyadh's got a riyadh first touch but hmm. you know elise is heading in that direction and he's played in the prem and he by all accounts is a, a super hard worker like one of the things that i think 
they like about him a lot at Palace is that he does as much work running back towards his own goal as he does in the attacking third, which is something that I'm sure our scouts will have looked at and loved. Um, yeah, I just I, I think he's uh, he was voted the players' player of the season at Palace the end of last season, which again I think that speaks to something when your when your fellow professionals in the squad vote you as the player of the season and you're effectively a baby at 2021 years old i think that speaks volumes about about your character as well as your quality so i just i think he ticks all the boxes and i i do think that he is a transfer that ends up happening if not at the end of this month then certainly it ends up happening in january chris a city fans um understandably to a degree, particularly with, you know, kind of the younger fans who have come through who have only known success. Are City fans guilty at times of being snobbish towards potential kind of targets? I mean, I've, I've found out of Elise, you, some, you know, I'm just seeing it online, I'm seeing it on Twitter, so maybe it's not the best barometer, but I am seeing a sense of underwhelmment about it, whereas, as Aikstan said there, he, he ticks all the boxes. Mm. You know what? I think I've learnt over the last few years to get really comfortable with the decisions that the scouting teams are making. Yeah. I mean, there's very few players that we've brought in that have not made come in and made an impact and been a positive signing for us over the last five years. And, you know, I think that if there's a player that we're linked with, I think that there's definitely some characteristics and, and attributes that that makes them Man City worthy, both on and off the pitch. So I definitely, like, I've just learned to sort of just sort of trust the process with what we're doing and also the fact that, you know, Pep knows what he wants. You know, if he thinks that he needs something like he needed last year with a centre-back, with a Kanji, like he, he's going to communicate that and more or less more, nine times out of ten, the, the, the hierarchy above are going to make that happen for him. So I think we just got to let everyone sort of do their thing, let everyone play their part, you know, let everything transition the way it's supposed to. Um, and then just see where we go from there. I mean, the, my question is to you guys, do you think we're going to be looking at another midfielder? Only if Bernardo goes, I believe, and I don't think he will. So, Asa? Yeah, I think they are. I, I, I think actually it's not connected to Bernardo. I think it's connected to what happens with McAtee. I think they, it, it's been, I, I found it quite, and we talked about this on the, um, on the market pod that we did on the 9320 player, um, which is a good moment for me to plug the 9320 player. If you're listening <laughs> to this and you like this, go to our website, go, go to our Twitter account and then sign up for the 9320 player and you'll get hours of podcasts just like this one. Um, we discussed it on uh, on the 9320 player. I've the sense that McAtee's comments after the tour were very much, I don't know if I'm staying or if I'm going out on loan again. And I wonder whether they look at it and go, he's not going to get enough minutes here. He's just done a full season at Sheffield United where certainly the second half of the season he played very regularly. Um, and I wonder whether a Premier League loan move ends up happening. But I think that is very much connected to if there is a centre midfielder out there who they can buy, who they'd like to buy. So... If they don't have one that they can buy, I think then they keep McAtee and they go, look, we'll we'll find a way to get him minutes. Um, but if there is one out there that that they feel is in the budget and they can buy, then I think they'll probably let McAtee go out on loan. It's a, it's a good position to be in for City. Very it? much so. Yeah. Um, okay, which brings me to the biggest question on the pod today. Um, start with you, Chris. Same question for you, Asan, straight after. 
Chris, overall, what shape is City in right now? And are you happy with things? Happy, yes. I mean, look, it, it was only, what, six, seven weeks ago that I was fortunate enough to be in Istanbul and <laughs> what transpired there. So I'm happy. Uh, regardless of what happens this season, you know, ask me again in a few months' time and I might change my, my view on it. But right now... You, you will have. You will. I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Human comfortable nature, at the moment, Steve. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's nice to feel, it's nice to feel relaxed for once going into yes. the season, but no extra pressure. You know what I mean? So, you know, I think, you know, we've made, we've made two great additions to the squad so far this, this window. And yes, we've lost Gundo. Yes, we've lost Myers, but you know, like it's, it's going to happen. These players are going to come and go and we're recycling with new players who are going to be with us for a long time. You know, we've got our squad. We've got so many players under the age of 23, 24. It's crazy. And, and it's hard not to be bullish in the long term. You know, so I think in terms of ha- how we're going and how the squad's shaping up, you know, completely confident in Pep and he always finds solutions to these problems that we find ourselves in he always always finds a way out of them and not only finds a way out of them he finds a way to excel with what he's got so i'm also very comfortable about that situation i'm just going to let it all play out and then hopefully we can look back in a few months and be happy with where we're at yeah well said um asan you feel much the same Yes, very much so. I mean, I, I have a I have a slightly different relationship to the past in that I I'm not really somebody who is particularly nostalgic, even from a footballing point of view. So as much as we did the treble, we did the treble in the past tense. And I'm absolutely focused on doing the treble again this season. And actually the thing, the big carrot for me this season is four Premier Leagues on the bounce, which has never been done before. Yes. And yeah. I want that record as badly as I wanted the three-peat last season. So I wanted the three on the bounce because it matched up, and now I want the four because nobody has done that before. What shape do I think we're in? I think we're in incredible shape. We have the best manager in the world probably the best manager and coach of all time. Um, we have an incredible squad of players. In Haaland, we have a talismanic striker, which I think is is something we've not had for a minute. I look at KDB. I look at Foden. I look at bringing Vardiol in. Like Chris said, I think the balance between experience and young players is almost spot on. Um, I'm just really, I, I am genuinely really, really, really optimistic about the season ahead. And just to kind of touch upon the, the question that you, that you asked about, you know, are we a bit snobby about mm. transfers and stuff like that? I think actually this is something that, uh, I've noticed for, you know, going back a decade, I think that when you go after players in the Premier League, it tends to feel underwhelming because you're generally buying players from clubs that finish lower down the league than you. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and there is a, you know, I remember, I remember having long conversations with Steve McInerney around the Harry Kane transfer where Steve, he kept saying to me, but I can't help but feeling underwhelmed at the idea of Harry Kane. And I remember saying to him at the time, I remember having similar conversations with supporters when we were signing Kyle Walker. I remember loads of people just being like, I'm just not excited by Kyle Walker at all. And I do think it is a little bit connected to buying Premier League players versus buying players that you don't see very often because they play in Spain or in Italy or in Germany or in, in Holland. 
Yeah. Familiarity breeds contempt. It's just it's just human yeah, nature. Yeah, very much itself. so. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's kind of broaden our gaze to the Premier League as a whole. Um, Chris, who do you think will be the first manager to be sacked this season? Oh, I always hate doing these manager sacking predictions, yeah. to be honest with you, because I never like to see anyone in that situation. Um, look, I'm taking the unpredictability out of the promoter three and their managers because just just to keep them out of it for this for this prediction. I think I, I think I think West Ham might struggle this year. I think Moyes is going to be under a little bit of pressure. I think you know after the high winning the Conference League last year, losing Rice, I think that's a bit deflating. Um, you know, I don't think they've really replaced him with anyone of significance as yet. And I think, look, despite the Conference League win last year, they didn't really have a great a great season last season. They only finished six points above the bottom three. Um, so, look, uh, winning the Conference Leagues also mean they're going to play in Europa League, so they might have some more consistent, you know, um, sort of high-level games. So it'll be interesting to see how they balance their schedule. Um, but, yeah, just as I said, I don't like to see any manager lose their job, but it's just the nature of the business, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel much the same way um, until I read about their £5 million payoffs, et cetera, et cetera, and then they walk into another job. But as a rule, yeah, absolutely. You're talking about someone's livelihood. And um, I do think it's not beyond the realms of kind of impossibility that David Moyes resigns before a ball has even kicked the season. I think it's gone that badly pre-season in terms of their transfer policy and the disagreements he's having with the director of football there. Um and not getting kind they of the sacked him. Line. Yeah. They should have they should have sacked him at the end of the season. I think that mm-hmm. obviously the Europa Conference win is a big thing. It's a big feather in his cap. It's a big thing for West Ham. But it doesn't change the fact that they're a football club that seem to be pulling in two different directions at the same time. Yeah. Which is always going to end in tears. So yeah, I do feel they should have let him go. So do, do you kind of go along with the two of us, Aysan, that he might no. well be the first one? Okay. No. No, I think it's a race to the bottom between Steve Cooper and and Lopetegui at, uh, at, at Wolves. I think for different reasons, mm. they they mm. both have real, real, real issues. Um, and yeah, I, I can I can see one, if not both, being gone by the end of September. Okay. Um, on a more positive footing, who, Asan, do you think will be the overachieving? Who's going to be the Brighton of this season? Brighton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Uh, wow. You know, I've been I've been thinking about this question uh, since you sent me the agenda, and I still don't have an answer. Do you I, rate I Villa? Do you think Villa could, you know, well, push the top six? Th- well, that's the thing. Like, then there wouldn't be a surprise package though, because Emery mm-hmm. did so well. I think similarly with Brighton, I think that they did so well that there wouldn't be a surprise package. I think the issue actually is that the teams, the bottom 10 have gotten worse as a whole. And so there's not like a team that I'm looking at. Oh, you know what? Actually, sod it. Burnley, they're going to be the surprise package. But uh, well, Burnley for me and Bournemouth as well. Ariola. Um, oh yeah, I was going to say sorry. That could go so, either way. It yeah, really so could. but Bournemouth were the other team who I kind of was like, well, he's really highly rated. A lot of people who know football are going, oh, he's going to be really interesting at Bournemouth. So yeah, him or him or Vinny and Burnley. But Bournemouth could also finish rock bottom. I mean, they could do anything this season. Mm. Bournemouth, which is yeah. you know, um, Chris, what about yourself? 
Oh, I hate to say it because of my general dislike for this team, but being the loyal Greek Australian that I am, I'm going to have to say that Ange Postacoglu is going to have a really positive impact at Spurs this season. And, you know, I think for people that don't know much about him, he's got a very similar style to Pep. You know, I think he's come out and said he's not planning on being a defensive team this year. Um, He loves to control the possession. I think people are going to be very surprised what they see from him. And I hope he gets the time and the resources to do really well there. For those of you that don't know, he's had success everywhere he's gone. He's won trophies everywhere. Brisbane Raw, he went on a 33-game unbeaten streak. Melbourne Victory, he won the Asian Cup with the Socceroos. He won the J-League title with Yokohama. He, he won the treble with Celtic last season. So I think it's a, I think he's sleeping under, slipping under the radar a little bit this season. Mm. And um, I'm quietly going to be wishing him all the best because you know, I'm a very big fan of him personally. I think that's a good shout. I think the only the only worry that I have with Ange is that I, I fear that the Kane kind of um the uncertainty around Harry Kane will affect the early part of their season. I almost feel as though Ange is a coach who is probably gonna need two or three months for the players to properly understand what he's trying to get them yeah. to achieve. Um I think the Premier League is way more unforgiving than everywhere else he's ever coached at. And when you look at the hallmarks of his teams and the way that he likes to play, when it works, it's going to look really good. But when it doesn't work, it's going to look really bad. And so Agreed, yeah. I, I think it will take a little bit of time. I almost feel as though he's the overachieving surprise package of the second half of the season hmm. stroke next season. If he can yeah. get to that point, because it's not just the football that's unforgiving, but the media too. And um, if he gets off to a poor first three months, let's say, because um, the fan base weren't overly enamoured to get him in the first place, were they? So like, he needs to win them over, which he's doing at this point. Mm. But of course, it matters, so, you know. He's he's done that everywhere he's gone. So when he went to Celtic, they were calling him Poster No Clue. They, yeah. they had no idea. They thought he wasn't going to last at all. But what he's really good at, and I think you're going to see it this year, is he's really good at making a good impression with the with the media and getting journalists on his side. And he doesn't take any shit in press conferences. And I think he, you know he holds his ground and he represents the club really well. And he has always has good answers for tough questions. So I think you're going to see a little bit that of that side of him this year as well, which you know may, people may not have seen before. Mm, he's yeah. quite a he's quite a prickly character by all accounts. Like <laughs> yeah. particularly with the media. Like I can't remember where I where I heard it this week, but somebody actually said that he's like from a stylistic point of view, he's obviously a very progressive coach, but like in the media room, he's a bit like Mourinho, that you know, if you if you disrespect him or you say something out of turn, he'll let you know immediately that he doesn't like it. He didn't like that cane uh bang no. jersey. Yeah, no, but that was well. horrendous. <laughs> Yeah. That was yeah. bad. That's one of the worst things. That's one of the most cringy, like, this is going to sound really weird, but it's such an un-German thing to do something like that. It just, it's, I don't know. I just didn't like it at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go on, Chris. Off to you. No, I was just going to say, I think he's, I think Postacogra is a bit of a softy at heart. It's all for right. He's, you know what I like what I say. I have to say anytime he's engaging in interviews and he's interested and that alone it is enough for me these days, frankly, you know, with managers and footballers yeah. speaking, but not actually saying anything. It's just nice to kind of yeah. hear someone, you know, speak honestly and, and candidly. Um, okay. Let's look at the transfer window. Who for you, a is winning the transfer window. 
And who's having a shocker right now? I don't think anybody's won it. I think Arsenal will probably feel uh, very good about their window. I think quietly Villa will feel very good about their window. I think Newcastle have signed some good players. Um, But I don't think that there there is a clear team that you would go, they've won the the transfer window. Mm. Okay, well, Chris, I'll transfer it to you on the negative side. Who's had the shocker then, do you think? I, I I sort of echo what Asan saying was I don't know if there's actually been a, a loser as yet. Right. I think if Kane goes to Spurs, if Kane goes from Spurs, then you know definitely they're going to find that find him hard to replace, and they're probably not going to have much time to do that. Uh, I don't know if I'm biased, but I wonder if, if if someone that wasn't associated with City would look at our departures and think that maybe we've lost the window. But you know you never know. Palace losing Zaha is going to be a big one. Yes, you know, Wolves have lost Neves. Brighton have lost McAllister. Like there's a few. You know, sort of mid-table teams have lost some star players. It would be interesting to see. But, you know, also from a winner's perspective, I'm, I agree with Asa. I think Aston Villa have, have done some good business. You know, they've got Torres in, Pau Torres in, Diaby from Leverkusen. They've got Tillemans. You know, I also think Chelsea are sort of doing well just by by way of, you know, getting these outgoings out the door, getting rid of the Definitely. wood. Yeah, and that, that has kind of gone under the radar, really, just how many players mm. Chelsea have released. 13, I think. Um and, and we needed to do so, yeah, yeah. Um, if we're going to bring stability, they, ha- they have to start with kind of further chaos. Um, here's a question I've been looking forward to asking the two of you. Asan, I'll start with you. If you could choose one signing to have instead come to City instead of going where they did, who would it be? Bellingham. Ah, I forgot about Bellingham, damn it. I'm yeah. the same. <laughs> Bellingham for you too, Chris. You know what? I thought <laughs> yeah, the question I was, I thought the question was, if Go you on. can sign one player... Who you haven't signed? Who would it be? Right. No, um, no, no. I, I've got an answer for that as well. Okay, who would that be? Eze. He's he always impresses me. I love the lad, and he's a really nice lad as well. Mm. If, you, if you see some of his videos when it, when he got called up to the England squad, he came across so well. I'm really, I'm really enamoured with 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 Eze, almost more so than Elise last season. In the sense that I I know what Elise's quality was, but. Uh, I just think Eze is a player who could play for Manchester City, who would flourish at City, and who would improve massively uh, at City. Um, so, Chris, it's Bellingham for you, is it, as well as terms of who you'd sign if? It is Bellingham for me. Look, I, okay. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I'm still bullish on on everything else we've got going on for us. Yeah. Um, but I've also in the recent weeks I've been very much team bring Leroy Sane back. So let's <laughs> I, I would have gone for um, McAllister, but Bellingham. I'm I'm switching to the two with two of you. Um, yeah, Bellingham. I completely forgot about him. Uh, final question. Um, Asan, will you be rooting for any of the three promoted sides? I mean, I have to root for Burnley because it's Finney and I love him. And I, I don't know if I don't know if you guys have seen it or, or the listeners have seen it. The um, the overlap interview that Gary Neville did with mm. Finney over the summer is just incredible. And he speaks so well, and he's going to be a top manager. Uh, and I think he'll do really well at Burnley. Um, and yeah, I I will be I will be rooting for them, uh, Chris. Yeah, I I agree with what Asan say. Like, I hope I hope company does well. I hope he's got the he's got the opportunity now to really you know elevate his status and become a solid Premier League manager. I hope he doesn't fizzle out like we've seen from from the likes of Lampard and Gerrard in recent years. But 
I'm also like to, you know, I'm wishing Luton all the, all the luck in the world yes, because I think same. it's a pretty cool story for them. And, you know, if, hopefully they can do something amazing this season as well. Yeah, but they're not the most popular club amongst City fan base. I, I appreciate that, but I'm much the same with Luton. Um, I think it'd be an amazing story. Well, just are. just to balance this podcast <laughs> out, fuck Luton. I hope they get relegated with 10 points. I feel much the same way about Sheffield United, and that's based on nothing. I've just never really liked Sheffield United. I think it's Sean Bean or something. I don't know. Uh, Sheffield United can go right back down as well. <laughs> yeah. That's fine with me. Yo-yo bastards. Right. <laughs> That's a wrap for today. Thank you very much for joining us today, Chris. Thank you, gentlemen. That was a great. That was a great pod. Appreciate and it. Enjoy your beers out, sir. And, and thank you very much, eh, Sam. Pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, we're off to see who Chelsea have signed in the hour we've been doing this. In the meantime, be well, be proud, and forever up the brilliant Blues. <laughs>